0: Everybody, Here we go! In case of emergency,
1: the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on.
2: I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that it was all started by a month.
0: Welcome to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 157, recorded on Monday, October 17th, 2022. We are your hosts, Tim, Guy, and Bub. And on tonight's episode, we bring back our new Nine Things format. As we take a look at the hits and misses of Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary as we celebrate as the celebration enters the home stretch. So hang on to them hats and glasses because this here is the wildest podcast in the wilderness. But not really any news this week. So let's just get right into this topic. I feel like we have a lot to say on it. Um, How did we end up deciding to do this retrospective? And, And before that, I should say, um. The official end day and date, we've always known that this was gonna end on March of 2023. Uh, It kind of slipped under the radar but Disney did quietly announce it will end on March 31st, 2023, back at the end of August. Um, So we really now have an end in sight for what was um, very much pushed as as the biggest celebration in Walt Disney World history. Um, But that's how we're here to talk about, and Guy, how do we end up here tonight?
1: So I would like to say, first of all, first of all, are we really the wildest podcast in wilderness anymore? I feel like we've toned it down a little bit. I feel like we're not as angry as we once were. No,
2: we'll this episode
1: I was gonna say, I think this episode might bring back some of the uh, the old uh, the all Disney guys uncensored takes. So so here's the thing when we talk about anniversaries and how we got to this point, what is the staple attraction of any Disneyland slash Magic Kingdom style park in the world. It is, in fact, the railroad. I think what people forget is the railroad has been closed for almost five years because of the Tron construction. We we didn't get a, like, Main Street to, you know, Adventureland and Frontierland and then just back on the same rail like a half experience. It's been closed for, like Tim said, what was supposed to be the biggest the world's biggest celebration of, of, of theme parking in in the history of the world here's the thing we're going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight and i think i will get angry at several points for me the fact that the train was not operational for the entirety of the 50th anniversary is blasphemous in every way shape or form it, it is I can't even really still now, and it's been a few days since we had the conversation on Discord, comprehend the fact that the train is going to be closed for the entirety of the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom, because that's what this is. This isn't the 50th anniversary of Disney World. It it, it is, quote-unquote. But at the end of the day, the only theme park there that's 50 years old is, in fact, the Magic Kingdom. This is very much a Magic Kingdom celebration. And at the end of the day the fact that we did not have a train ride at this park for that 50th anniversary is sacrilegious to me. Am I wrong for feeling this way? I I don't think you are. I think it's super interesting point because when you brought that up
0: in, in our conversation uh, earlier this week, it's not something I thought about. And I understand how integral the idea of having a train ringing, um, the, the, the castle parks, the magic kingdoms, um, it, in the Disney parks it is such a essential part. But I wonder if these days that, especially at the Magic Kingdom, where it doesn't have the set pieces, where it doesn't have the ride elements that it has at Disneyland, if it's not as important, especially to this current generation of Disney fans, as part of the big identity of a Walt Disney castle park. Um, I, for example, growing up, I do not remember. I'm sure I did ride the train, but I don't have any strong memories of it. All my relationship with the train these days has to do with after learning about how important the train was to Walt and how that was really the catalyst for the creation of these parks. Um, But it it was definitely a later in life um, association for me. And I wonder if a lot of these families coming to the parks, it's more about the technology, about the new rides, about the big experiences, and less about their kids riding a train. Guy, yeah, I mean, you, you're a course. father of young kids. So, yeah. So when I think of
2: Walt Disney and Magic Kingdom, it really only comes to mind... I mean, he's, he's kind of in the background to everything, obviously, but there's two real times you really think about Walt. That's when you have... You're looking at the partner statue right in front of the castle, and for me... The other time where it's universal that I think about Walt Disney is anytime I get on that train. And I think that it wasn't obviously a slap in the face to him or anything like that. Like, there's no need to be over dramatic. But I think if there was one thing that Walt would have on his nine things list, I think the number one thing would be that there was no train. There is, it's just the most Walt Disney thing that's still left at Magic Kingdom, and you didn't have it. For your 50th celebration, um, is the train? I mean, the train's great for a lot of things. I mean, let's not forget, it's just convenient. I mean, when you're in the parks 10 hours, 12 hours a day, and you can save yourself 3,000 steps by having the train take you from Adventureland to where, you know what I mean? Like, it's so unappreciated for what it is. And then the fact that it's just a nice, relaxing train ride that you can do with your family. You know, you can kill 20 minutes, let your kids kind of rest up and regroup.
1: Um, You know, it was definitely disappointing that it's been down this long. And all in the name of Tron after all of this. So, So this is my problem with it, Tim. You could have, and they have in the past, when they were building Splash Mountain back in 1990 to 1992, they ran the train on a shortened track until the new train station is ready. They've done it before. And I think my overarching theme, what we're going to talk about tonight, is the lack of ambition by this company to properly celebrate this park and this property. At the end of the day, I will grant you, and we'll talk about it, there were extenuating circumstances that they have never faced during such a celebration. I'm not going to discount that. But the general lack of sentimentality to this park, the general lack of, of reverence paid to classics like this is what I think bothers a lot of people about Disney right now. You hear the price hikes, people complain about the price hikes. It's money, 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 money at the core of that problem is the fact that for whatever reason, this regime in this company towards the end of Bob Iger's run into Bob J Pick's run they have shown a general lack of caring about what this park means to generations of families. And I think we're going to find that out tonight. We're going to talk about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun, probably get angry, probably yell at each other. I'll probably tell them they're morons. They'll tell me I'm an asshole. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Uh, first one on my list, I think ties in here. A general lack of theming, guys. I think a lot of the things we talked about, there was not much theming, Tim, other than iridescence. As the theme. Which um, is my favorite thing to clown on <laughs> them for this whole past,
0: you know, year and change like, we've done the fiftieth.
1: Yeah, like you you got in 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 nineteen ninety uh one, during the 20th anniversary, it was ears to you. And they had the big uh, Mickey Mouse uh, Air Force One, the, the big Mickey Mouse hot air balloon. And all. The 25th was the, you know, remember the magic. And it played on that nostalgia. This was nothing. I, I, and again, I don't know, again, how much COVID had to do with that. I, I just think it just shows a, a general lack of, of foresight on their part. And then generally a lack of hindsight that they didn't really fix anything about it. Um As the 18 month close now, 12 and a half months at this point, almost. But um, as long as they've done this, they haven't really adjusted to the fact uh, that this has been a problem. Uh, Guy, iridescence, you in or out on iridescence as the new color? No, Bob, definitely not a fan of the
2: iridescence color and not to jump ahead. So, you know, things we're going to cover later, but just the lack of merchandising, the lack of ingenuity. Um, And they've had so much time to plan for it. It just doesn't make sense. It's not like the 50th anniversary snuck up on them. I mean, they should have been planning this for years and years and years. And again, not to touch on things we're going to touch on later with COVID. I mean, obviously nobody could have predicted that. But all these things should have been lined up to where it was no problem. Everything just would have fell back in place, um, you know, once everything kind of turned back on. And then it's just just a complete lack of care for the customer too. how much would it have cost them? Let's say a dollar, a dollar a person to give out a 50th anniversary pin. You want to have this event be 18 months, give out a pin every single day. And then when you, you know, scan your band to get in or you scan your ticket, they go, Hey, do you need a, do you need a a pin? And then after your third or fourth time, you're going to be like, no, I, I don't need any more pins, but it would be something nice to give to people to make it feel like it was a celebration every day and not just, you know, a, a big circle on the castle that eventually, you know, it was just very
1: underwhelming. I I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, now Tim, I, I know for a fact, because we kind of talked about this pre-show that you had some of your big hitters, you wanted to talk about some of the things that bothered you or necessarily things you thought were important to talk about tonight. Guy and myself have already mentioned Covid, I two or three times, and I know you definitely wanted to talk about that. So, it, with with that pre with that presentation of yeah, there was a general lack of theming. What were we celebrating? Why were we celebrating? You think COVID had a big part of that? Well, no. So my
0: first big point is certainly COVID and its impact on this celebration. But Guy hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is the 50th anniversary of the Walt Disney World Resort, of the Magic Kingdom, of Cinderella Castle. So there is no way in hell that COVID, the 10 months of COVID we had prior to the 50th started, or maybe it was longer than 10 months. Regardless, this was a multi-year planning process that theoretically should have been happening. So you really can't blame the lack of a cohesive theme, the lack of an overarching idea of this is what the 50th is, above and beyond this purple-blue iridescent color that was getting, you know, a new coat of paint on the castle and merchant stuff. There's no way that that could be blamed on COVID because they should have been playing this for, you know, the past four or five years if they wanted it to reach the heights of even the, um, you know, the the 20th or the, the 25th you know, it should have been bigger than all the previous ones, and and it wasn't. That said, COVID uh, obviously was a huge mitigating factor in all this. Uh, it led to the initial merch in that first part of the, um, in the first part of the celebration. You know, not everything being there on time, not everything being as creative or niche. You know, some pretty basic t-shirts, spirit jerseys, lounge fly bags, stuff like that. Um, You know, it affected staffing. It affected uh, theme park reservations. We were, you know, still filling out all the new regulations for being in the park, those regulations changing, the amount of people who could be there, what rides were open, what, uh, you know, entertainment could happen, what was safe, what was normal, masking, uh, hours, all that stuff. So COVID has got to be acknowledged You know, you can't just skewer the 50th from end to end as, you know, Disney grossly underperforming on this because there was an elephant in the room, unlike an elephant that the world had ever seen in recorded history. And Disney still did this thing that they couldn't really push. You know, it had to happen a certain time frame and and they did it. That said, a lot of the execution of how they did it cannot be passed off on COVID. and. Some of it, um, which, you know, they pointed to in D23 on various investor calls that they didn't know what was going to happen. They were worried about, you know, the financials and stuff. But we watched the stock market go crazy. And it's not like Disney is, you know, a a small company. You know, Disney does not have a cash on hand problem um, in the way that some of these other companies may have had during COVID where, yeah, their stock was very high, but they, they they didn't have the cash resources to put into it. So they may have also been overly cautious during COVID, um, not health and safety wise, but overly cautious in you know their outlay of resources when it comes to what construction projects were going to be delayed, what was going to be canceled, what wasn't going to happen, what wasn't going to be brought back right away. And um, I think those sort of decisions were to the detriment of the guest. Um, what do you think about COVID and its impact on the 50th?
1: I think that it is overstated and understated all at the same time. And it's playing both sides of the aisle. But like you said, merchandise, issues with staffing, legitimate issues. And I don't know that that can be overstated because that affected the the day-to-day operation of the parks and it affected their ability whether it was construction teams getting out there and building Tron for some reason, it still isn't done. But it's just COVID was the great unknown. But I also look at a park down International Drive that built a brand new roller coaster from scratch in about 15 months. And we're waiting on a, and I, I don't want to keep making this a Tron conversation, but Tron is so easy to look at and say, yeah. They made sure Ratatouille get open, they made sure that Guardians get open, and by the grace of God, for some reason, Tron is allegedly going to open on the last week of this celebration, so I, I, maybe, I, allegedly it's supposed to open quarter one of 2023, which would coincide with the ending of this celebration for them to, I guess, get, as Guy would say, you know, a cheap pop from the people that are 50th and say, oh, she was open for the 50th. It was open for three days of the 50th anniversary, but here we are. I, so, but I do think that on those same investor calls, they've used Disney Plus and the money they needed to put into Disney Plus as a crutch, and they've used COVID as a crutch to how they've run the parks for the last year and a half coming out of COVID. My, my personal opinion on the matter is, is they've overused it as a crutch, and they really haven't used it correctly when talking about their day-to-day operations in the park. Yeah, I certainly haven't gained any
0: goodwill in making those excuses. And, you know, we we do bring up Tron a lot, it feels like, lately. But I think Tron and, and Guy, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Tron really does act as the bellwether, as as the, the canary in the coal mine for uh, kind of the disappointing realities of what this current regime is doing in the parks. Where we see priorities, we shift, we see promises get unfulfilled, we see things change and not really acknowledge that they were changed, and Tron, because it's such a massive structure, because it's so visible, unlike most Disney construction, you couldn't just build some scrims and walls like with Ratatouille, that it's always there, that it's always present, you know, it's interrupting the train service. It, it just constantly reminds us that, you know, this company isn't following through on its promises to the best of its ability. Guy, do you have any thoughts on um, the COVID situation and how it affected the 50th? Yeah, I'm separate- going to touch on a couple of points here. Um, I think one thing
2: uh, kind of changing subjects here is I think in 10 years, we're going to look back at Josh DeMauro as an absolute terrible leader he reminds me of a guy like when one of Bill Belichick's uh, assistants gets hired for a head coach and then they come in and they have all the hype and then inevitably they go four and 12, five and 11, four and 12 and get fired. And right now I feel like Josh tomorrow's on his second five and 11 season because he came in. He got so much credit for Pandora, and he was the VP at Animal Kingdom, and when when he came in, people were excited. People thought that new big things were going to come, and I feel like he's failed so many places, and not getting Tron done is a gigantic failure. This is a ride that's going to be popular at Magic Kingdom for at least 20 years. They are going to make all their money back on this ride and then some. It is going to put millions of people into Magic Kingdom. I don't care what the cost is. You hire enough people to get it ready. You pay more. It, under the circumstances of COVID, you got to take extra precautions. Do it, figure it out, spread the people out, get it done. It is indefensible that that ride was not open. Maybe not October for the start of the 50th, but certainly it should be open by now. And and Bob, I know you you have something to say here. And I want to no. get back to COVID too. But go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, I just it's curious coming from a Dolphins fan that you're going to talk about failed Patriot coaches because oh, Brian I, Flores didn't Dolphins do a bad job in Miami. No, but Brian Flores didn't do a bad job in Miami. Way better this than what Joe Judge bad. did in New York way better than what Patricia did in Detroit and way better than what Josh McDaniels has done in Denver and now Las Vegas. But hey, Mike McDaniel was a good hire until Tua died. So yeah,
2: exactly. I'm- <laughs> that. Not to get completely off subject, but the amount of times that I've seen the Dolphins go 3-0 and to start a season and then just completely disappear um, is never-ending. But after I was just so negative, I do want to take a second and talk about how Disney handled covid and I think Disney left a shit ton of money on the table closing when they did, um, kind of getting ahead of the curve on that. Um, I mean, there were lots of calls for it publicly, but they don't—they're a big enough company that they can take all the bad press in the world. Um, they decided to close when they opened up. Um, they opened up very responsibly. When I went to Disney in during the height of COVID, I didn't not feel. As safe as I – and obviously, there's a ton of risk going then. We didn't know. A lot of people were under the impression like, hey, if I get COVID, there's a good chance I'm going to die. I mean, obviously, that's turned out to not necessarily be the case, I mean, especially for people under 40. But at the time, we weren't really sure. And a lot of people were just literally just getting it and dropping dead. And when, you know, when you're at Disney and you saw them take every possible precaution that they could – The spacing was legit and enforced. Uh, They did the temperature screenings. Everybody had to wear a mask. And that's another thing, too, that even though it hurt me personally, like my son was over two, but he wouldn't wear a mask because, you know, he has autism. He has sensory issues. He was not wearing a mask. And Disney was just like, hey, I'm sorry. It sucks to suck. It's going to make us look bad. They got a ton of bad press for it, but... You know, we can't bend the rules for anybody for any reason. And as much as it sucked because there was, a you know, six months that we couldn't go to the parks um, because Sal couldn't wear a mask. At the end of the day, you have to respect it. Like, that's a company that's actually standing for their beliefs. And a lot of times they don't. So, I mean, I guess credit where credit's due. I mean, they did their best with COVID, um, giving everything that, you know, was kind of thrown at them.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I also went very, very soon um, after they reopened and I felt safer uh, in Walt Disney World than I did in the uh, in the grocery store here in in New England. Um, And I mean, definitely no knock on their COVID reopening on on how slow that was and how how gradual the ramp up is. Uh, But I mean, I think where they dropped the ball on COVID was just the overly cautious stuff. Behind the scenes, in when to fund things, when to speed things up, when to hire more people to play catch up, um, that sort of stuff that didn't happen, and now I think really kind of is them showing their ass. Uh, and, and and really good point. Something that I didn't even think about rolling up to this is is the Josh Dimaro point uh, guy. I mean, he came into this as one of the most beloved corporate executives by fans of his company. Like, ever. I mean, you don't hear about other, you know, corporate vice presidents where a huge percentage of fans know them by name and have a strong, favorable opinion of them. And, uh, you know, his his tenure running Parks and Resorts has really not borne any fruit at all and, and no new projects really under him. Basically, everything under him ha- has been stuff that was started under the previous regime. But,
1: but I pose this question. What's behind Thunder Mountain, guys? Uh, the, we'll
2: uh, never find uh, out, believe me.
1: <laughs> we'll Maybe never in know. 2030? We'll never know what's behind Thunder Mountain. Lots of COVID talk, lots of very uh, random discussions about former Patriot coaches. And, of course, we're not done yet. Guy, what's what's your one of your takeaways from the 50th? Uh,
2: so, I guess one of my main takeaways... Um, and we'll keep we'll just keep this negative train rolling. Um, is the the Magical Express going away? Um, what a terrible time to have it disappear. Um, the way it's run now with Mears, absolutely terrible. It used to be such a perfect system. You used to show up at the airport, you'd have your little Disney tag, you'd hand your luggage in, you'd get on the plane, you get off the plane, you wouldn't have to worry about going. Uh, Baggage claim. You'd walk right to the Magical Express. You'd get on. Well, you wouldn't have any bags. I mean, you might have a stroller or a backpack, but otherwise, you wouldn't have any bags. You'd hop on the bus. You get to your resort. Hey, maybe your room's ready. Maybe it's not. But when you went back to your room, let's say you're like, "Yeah, hey, let's get on the bus. Let's go to Epcot." You go to Epcot. You eat your uh, I don't know your baguette in France. You come back to your room and then like magic your bags are there and the whole thing was free now it's i think it's 30 dollars a person i'm not really sure 32 and 27 yeah it's 32 27 they don't do the bags anymore there's not i mean they were never really technically disney employees but they're not even giving the facade that they're disney employees they're literally school bus drivers like that got rejected um and it's not a great service at all. I don't, and it's hard to complain, but it's just like, I don't want to go to non, I don't want to go to non-Disney resorts before I get, before I start my vacation. Like, it really takes the it takes the Magical Express out of that bus ride, let me tell you. When you got to go to these non, just random hotels, like not even nice resorts sometimes. It's just literally like, oh. This is a Hilton. We're going to stop here because they probably pay more than Disney does. So we're going to make sure we stop here first. And then it used to be like, oh, let's say you were staying at Contemporary. Well, obviously, we're going to drop off the Polynesian guests and the Grand Floridian guests, and then we'll go to Contemporary. But now it's just like Pop Century, uh, Old Key West, Contemporary. It's just a Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's just all based on like, hey... We need to fill a bus, and we're going to fill that bus with 10, 15 families, and we're going to go wherever we're going to go because this is a business. Um, and I think really where Disney dropped the ball is, like, I understand that maybe they wanted to get out of it. Like, maybe they just didn't feel like dealing with it anymore. That's understandable. But give, offer a premium experience. Buy 20, you know, nine-passenger vans and put polka dots on them and charge 300 bucks. And if you want to go directly from the airport to your resort with a cast member, with Disney music, you can pay a premium price for it, or you can get the direct service from Mears for two fifty. You know, they have a chance to make money, and I don't know the agreement that they have with Mears, but it's just, uh, it's not good. It's terrible. I hate it. This is going to be my most negative thing for the rest of the night, uh, but they really screwed up with the Magical Express. It's... Universally disappointing. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. I will say we, we did Sunshine Flyer, and that, I think, uh, was a much, much better experience than Mir's. But mm-hmm. the magic isn't there. And the, the only defense I will give to Disney for this whole thing is my understanding is even if the Magic Express still existed, the luggage transfer would not exist simply because of staffing issues post-COVID at the airport. That they cannot have people who are certified by the TSA to handle baggage out at every Disney resort, which is what would need to happen to be able to have the luggage check. You can't do baggage transfer at basically any of the big resorts or Universal right now. It's just simply they don't have the personnel for it. But everything else, I mean, that experience was truly magical. I mean, Rachel and I have... I mean, with any of the bigger resorts, your your Coronado Springs, your your Pop Centuries, you had their own Magical Express bus that was going just to that resort. And then, I mean, there was a time that Rachel and I were staying at the Poly and, uh, you know, we were literally it was us and like one other couple on that Poly Grand Floridian. And they still run the bus. So they they run that whole coach bus for four people for, you know, drop some people off at the Grand Friday and drop us off at the poly. And, you know, so yeah, that experience really was like a way to start your Disney vacation in a Disney way. And it was included. So just really, really disappointed that that's not, not still part of things.
1: Yeah. I'm actually happy with the negativity tonight. I'm, I think that's good. I think it's good for us. It's good. Cathartic exercise. You've been very positive on this program lately Uh for me. Yeah. Big miss, big, big, tough loss was the Magical Express. Bigger loss, and I don't want to make this a sidebar, but since we do sidebars and squirrel moments here, bigger loss, Magical Express or Fast Pass Plus? Fast Pass. All right, then. But what you go with Fast Pass is you get a premium replacement experience. Touche. Touche. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, my next one, we've touched on it. So, we'll go quick with this one. Uh, the merchandise, guys, we all agree, started out very slowly. Supply chain issues aside, it wasn't very inspiring. It didn't really speak to, I keep harping on the lack of nostalgia and lack of respect shown to the past 50 years. But admittedly, that is a big problem for me. Um, it wasn't great. I will say lately, and some of the 40th Epcot stuff that's trickled out after October 1st. Uh, the merchandise has gotten better. And I would be remiss if I didn't say the the random cupcakes and sweet treats and, and drinks and stuff they did. I thought they nailed that aspect. And Tim did ask for me to not be overly negative or overly critical for the entire episode. So I will say that I did think they absolutely nailed the special edition snacks, cookies, stuff like that. I thought they did a great job with that. And I do think the merchandise quality uh, and, and quantity, the pace of which was getting to the shops and the quality of the merchandise uh, seemed to be much better. I actually was really digging some of those uh, late summer spirit jerseys that came out. I thought they did a really nice job with some of those things. Um, so I, I, I won't be overly negative about merchandise. I will grant them COVID issues on the merchandise, but for me, um, yeah, the food stuff I thought looked fantastic. I thought they did a great job getting those special limited time only treats into the parks. And, and I know you guys went. You probably tried some of them. Um, but to me, they were certainly uh, an, an, an A plus for me On uh, from, from afar was the food, the food stuff they did for the 50th. Uh, so
2: I think um, like the thing that kills the merchandise for me is it's it doesn't seem like it, but their number one, their absolute number one. Seller every year is they come out with kind of the same generic shirt every year where it's got you know the Fab Five on it and the year, so it'll be like 2022 and it'll have well, typically, uh, non 50th anniversary year, it'll have like a different scene of you know Mickey, Goofy, Donald, etc., etc., and the year on it. And even though it doesn't seem like a great piece of merchandise, it by far and away outsells every other t-shirt every other spirit jersey everything because you have a toddler who will buy that shirt and you have an 80 year old who will buy that shirt and is it a shirt that they're generally going to wear out outside of disney absolutely not never i sleep in mine jordana steals them sometimes and sleeps in them but every single year without fail that's the only t-shirt i'll ever buy That's what I buy every year is just like the stupid little commemorative T-shirt. Their version for the 50th is literally a plain white T-shirt and a terrible graphic of Mickey in that iridescent bullshit suit. And it's literally the worst piece of merchandise I think they've ever put out. It's literally like if you had a, um, like old school when we were kids, the, you know, companies used to have like, Cartoon contest, basically. And this could only come from a second grader who would think, I know, we're going to do either a second grader or a like mall kiosk stand where it's a completely basic white Hanes t-shirt with just a crappy graphic of Mickey with his foot up, and it just says 50th anniversary. I think just having that piece of merchandise exist I don't care what they did the rest of the time. You are never going to get me to be like, you know what? They really nailed this 50th merchandise because the easiest thing to do is just make the exact same shirt you've been making for the last 25 years and just put 50th anniversary on it. But they just have, again, none none of the other characters exist. It's just a plain white T-shirt. I mean, I'm I'm sure I haven't told you guys this already, but it's a plain white T-shirt and then it's a shitty Mickey graphic. And that's what they're selling. And you know what? They probably sold five million of them and it probably cost them a quarter a piece. But it's just for me, the merchandise died right there. And that's another thing we were talking about this week. It's like when you look at the Epcot, the Epcot ornaments, that is better than any piece of fifty minute yeah. merchandise that went out. I I literally wanted to buy all twelve of them. I'm like, yeah. it's not feasible. I have to figure out at four what are they forty dollars a piece, I believe? Yeah. They're legit though. I have to figure though. out which they're three of them I want the most because yeah. I mean they are priced, but they're based on like, oh, it's the a way they sell item, or- ornaments are twenty
0: five bucks. They're not even that yeah.
1: overpriced. Yep, I don't think that the ornaments are egregiously overpriced. It's a premium product. Again, playing on Epcot's fortieth nostalgia with the countries, and I, I I actually loved those ones when I saw them. Um, so Tim, it seems like we struck a nerve with Guy. Well, uh, oh, so.
0: I, my, my big criticism of the merch, very similar to Guy's, is definitely the design of the merch, which is something that you can't, again, blame production delays or COVID or whatever. It was just very – it looked hastily thrown together. It looked like a graphic design intern did it, not actual designers. Disney's capable of doing good merch, and very few items, as you pointed out, were throwbacks. Uh, there was the lunchbox. That had the yeah. country bears on one side and the 1971 press graphic on the other. And that uh, you had a couple. There was one table and all the big merch stores that had stuff like the commemorative spoon and the mm. porcelain bell. And that the, the things that were available, the pencils at Walt Disney World the year that they opened. But. Um, The one thing that I thought was very, very strange is Disney has entered into this partnership with Amazon uh, in the last couple of years. And um, this was, I think, in a way, a good thing uh, to make some of this 50th merch available to people who couldn't go down to the parks. And, you know, then you aren't getting gouged by an eBay reseller for a hideous T-shirt that you're only buying because you want a piece of the Walt Disney World 50th, but it's ugly. And now it's ugly and overpriced because you're buying it from a a third party reseller on eBay or something. But the kind of side effect of this uh, Amazon merchandise deal is some of the best 50th merch has been the Amazon exclusive stuff. There's been um, a monthly Mickey collection. There's been a monthly like Park Icons type collection. I forgot what they call. And um, now, kind of in the home stretch of that, we had a really amazing box set of uh, Jungle Cruise themed um, plush toys and uh, the best set of Country Bears plush toys that have literally ever been produced by Disney. And and neither of those were available in the parks or can be available in the parks because they're part of this exclusive deal that Disney has with Amazon. Um, so, I mean, that that kind of stuff is just odd that it. Disney's giving away the good stuff to to partnership uh, things. And then one thing I want to say is, Bub, you, you you spoke highly of these sweet treats. They looked very good. I just want to make sure you are aware that one of the like rotating entrees that they had these really tenuous connections to Disney history and stuff. There was a hot dog that had peanut butter and jelly on it and some sort of like a fried crunchy thing sprinkled on top that was served at Casey's Corner it's-
1: as the, the first special entree of the uh, 50th. Listen, I didn't say I would eat any of it. I just thought that they at least showed some imagination with the food products they released. I, be, I, I don't know who ate that hot
0: dog. but Grape jelly. and I mean, I believe it has now been replaced by like Walt's favorite chili dog or something very quickly right. and quietly. But th- they did say, you know what people will want to eat uh, to celebrate the 50th. A a foot-long hot dog with both peanut butter
1: and jelly on it. Now, think about eating that hot dog with that, and I'm stressing it here, white Hanes t-shirt with an ugly Mickey graphic on it. (laughs) All right, so that was a quick look at what we... Thought was the merchandise? Again, I, I thought they at least tried with the food. And Tim's point, I did order the joan Cruz uh, plush set. And I think you said you had ordered the Country Bears. Well, I think I think uh, somebody else ordered it for me as a Christmas gift. So I didn't order for myself. Well, you know, these. Are, so I will say this about that. The box that my Jungle Cruise set came in, I mean, it's a good thing it came in the cloak of darkness because my kids were already in bed. But had they seen it, they would have known immediately what it was because the exterior packaging screams 50th anniversary Jungle Cruise. Bah, bah, bah. I said, oh, this is unbelievable. But uh, that's, so, a, so that's how, how in... I know
0: somebody ordered mine for Christmas, because I was <laughs> the one who got the door for the UPS man. And, and the boxes are labeled clearly with exactly what oh.
1: they are. <laughs> extremely clear, like billboard clear. So Tim, what was another one for you? And I think what we'll do, because my other one is a little more of a compare and contrast. I think all three of us have probably thoughts on it. I think you and Guy probably will just talk about the couple other ones that you guys each have, and then we'll just collectively talk about kind of that bigger one that kind of compared what the 25th was, what the 50th was, as a way to kind of end the show. Um, So if you want to throw another one out there, Tim, that you thought was pertinent to the fiftieth. This is a super, super,
0: super quick one, and it's it's directly related to the fiftieth, and it's it just shows, in my opinion, was probably the most bizarre lack of foresight and lack of willing to spend um, of this whole fiftieth for um, Walt Disney. They had paid some amount of money to have. The air trains at the Orlando International Airport wrapped to have uh, some murals put up to have a a reproduction of the teacup ride vehicle. But with the 50th logo on the side of it as a photo opportunity, uh, along with some other photo opportunities all throughout the Orlando International Airport for all the incoming terminals. Uh, So basically, whether you were going to central Florida for the 50th or not, from the moment you stepped off the plane, until you got to the you know, former Magical Express terminal and realized that you're gonna have to ride the crappy Mears bus, uh, that you were already kind of inundated in Walt Disney World 50th. And uh, a, a while back in, in you know July, I think it was, um, maybe even earlier than that, June, um, people started taking photos of, of workers at the Orlando International Airport, taking down the murals And notice that not all the air trains had the wrap on them anymore. Um, So, you know, uh, local Orlando news media and also um, some of the bigger Disney news sites reached out to the Orlando International Airport and said, hey, what's the deal? Why are you guys taking all this stuff down? And uh, the Orlando International Airport put out a statement and said, hey, Disney only paid for us to have it up through the end of this month. Um, so, so we're taking it down because other companies have paid to, you know, have those spaces for advertising or, or displays. I mean, Disney always knew this was going to run through the end of Q1 2023. Why did they not pay to have the airport stay decorated through the end of Q1 2023? It's just truly bizarre that, I, you know, it, in the grand scheme of expenses that Disney has, I am sure paying to decorate the Orlando Airport is is pennies. And and to not have that last for the whole 50th, baffling, absolutely baffling, because that's such a first impression you can make. And you can make it to people who are going to Central Florida, not necessarily for the 50th, who go, oh, dang, it's the Walt Disney World 50th. I should schedule another trip or I should extend my trip to do this. And and they just let that go away over nickels and dimes. crazy to me.
1: The fact where we saw that, and because again we follow all of this stuff, and we saw the midsummer. What in God's name are we? Do- what literally? So I used to watch shipping wars all the time. Don't, I went through a phase when I watched a lot of that, like shipping wars, storage wars. Everyone did. I I, I Toy hunter. I did it. The, in the intro, there's a guy, uh, Roy. A uh, nickel's holding up a dollar when he's shipping, you know, this big giant thing from the Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square. And it—and it, it's not the first time I've heard the phrase a nickel's holding up a dollar. But but literally in this instance, Tim, like you just said, it, pennies are holding up dollars and dollars and dollars of just and they were nicely done. It was some of the better advertisements they've made for the 50th. It blows my mind that they didn't have this running until at least October first. If you wanted to say after October first, take it down because that's technically the uh, the end of the year of the fiftieth. Fine, I don't that the fact that they took it down in midsummer it, at the peak of travel season blows my mind that they didn't keep those up. I I, I completely agree with you. So, guy, I don't know if you have much to add to that part of the conversation, but it just so happens the wheel of doom has spun your name, or at least in terms of fair order, you're going next. So if you don't have anything to add, great. If not, you can uh, tell us your next one. So I'm going to just
2: jump to my next thing. And this isn't really, it's such a weird one, because it's not necessarily uh, tied into the 50th, but it is tied into kind of Disney, you know, needing to make a hard stance on something and they've just chosen not to before. And it's really confusing. So if I started a Facebook group right now where I'm going to make cakes and I'm going to make cakes of Mickey mouse and I'm going to make a toy story cake and I'm going to make, you know, whatever, a goofy cake, a Minnie mouse cake, whatever you want, I'll make it for you. If I start posting those pictures on Facebook and then Tim lets Disney know like, Hey, This jerk-off in Rhode Island is selling cakes with your intellectual property on it. What are you going to do about it? Within 30 days, I'm going to get a cease and desist order to stop making money off Disney IP. So I don't understand why Disney is allowing all these bloggers with their cameras and their microphone setups to go into the parks every day. And make thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars off the Disney IPs. And in some cases, in some cases, it's great because every time that I'm looking into a, a new hotel, I always go on YouTube and I'll search like, oh, um, like right now, our next trip, we're going to Old Key West. I'm like, Old Key West, one bedroom, and I, I watch the video and I enjoy it. But what I don't enjoy are when I'm on a ride, so just a perfect example here. Um, when I went on, um, geez, Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm sorry. Um, me and Jordana had to split up because we had the kids. So when I went on the ride, the first time I'm ever on this ride, I'm next to a lady who is filming the ride for YouTube. So, and I'm trying to be like, well, let me just stay in the moment. Let me enjoy the ride. And then the other part of me is like, I cannot not see this lady filming this ride. And not only do I have to worry about her filming it, but it's like, what happens? Because it, it goes backwards. It's, you know, not no spoilers here, but it's just like, this lady doesn't know what this ride's going to do. So what happens if her phone flies off and hits me or hits somebody else? And it's like this on every, almost every ride. Somebody is recording it. Why does Disney allow that? And they say like, oh, no cell phones, no this, no that. Why don't, when you get off the ride, they have cameras everywhere. Why don't they go, hey, we saw you recording on the ride. We don't want you to do that. If we see you recording on a ride again, we're going to throw you out of the parks for the day. And then another thing that a lot of these TikTokers do that makes me so aggravated is they'll go up to face characters and they'll ask them questions to try to get them to break character. And when those videos blow up, those characters get fired. For It could be the most innocent thing, but if something gets, you know, a couple of million views and, you know, Tinkerbell broke character or she didn't do what she was supposed to, that cast member's going to get let go. And I think at that point, if a cast member gets let go for one of those videos, I wish Disney would just be like, hey, so you're getting let go. We're sorry. But also, if it means anything to you, we're banning this person from the parks forever because they're just as responsible for this as you are. I mean, I could live with that trade-off, but it's just I don't understand how they fiercely protect their intellectual property so much in every other case. And then there's people making six figures just going to the parks and recording stuff. And again... There's certain things that work out that are like advertising for the company, and I understand how that works. But like when I'm there with my family, and I'm not one of these people who, like, I don't want my kids recorded, blah, 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 blah. But it's like you're taking the choice out of me to not have my kids on TikTok, on YouTube, wherever, forever and ever, because you decided that you're so important. That you have your own, every day is your own TV show, and everything needs to be recorded, and everybody needs to know everything, and I just hate it. I don't understand why Disney has allowed it. It's it's as annoying and dangerous to everybody else as, like, selfie sticks, and if they just said, hey, we're not going to allow
0: this anymore, that would kind of be the end of it. And, I don't know, I just wish they would yeah. do something. I think it's a double edged sword. I think it's a problem that really got out of Disney's hands, because if you look at the big core Disney blogs and YouTube channels that have been around forever, your, you know, The Diz, Walt Disney Food Blog, um, allears.net, Lou Mangiello, um, the bigger podcasts and stuff, that has acted as a massive advertising ecosystem that Disney could never build for any amount of money and has elevated the parks and especially elevated the adult enthusiast fandom of the parks to a level that you know never could get reached. As you said, you watch the videos, Rachel and I watch the videos, that's how we get hyped up for trips. And we like don't watch them when we're not planning a trip because it gets you so hyped up and like ready to take a trip that you could find yourself planning a trip you weren't planning on taking if you watch too many of those. But the problem is, I think now, as you said, everybody's a blogger and and we're now seeing, because of the way virality works, these people who are taking cell phone videos who haven't been doing this, who don't have a background in this and stuff, and they're causing disruption to people's lives, to people's vacations, and literally making Disney have to change the rules on the fly week by week. We saw it with the quote unquote chocolate milk trick a couple of months ago when people were abusing the fact that you could pick up mobile orders to get free parking for their theme park trips we saw it with the dress code challenge where people were literally going into the dress, the parks dressed as inappropriately as possible to get a cast member to write them a magic moment slip to be able to go into the gift shop and pick out any you know top or bottom to replace their inappropriate top or bottom and it it's really turning the, the experience more negative. I, I, I agree on that, but I think Disney is going to have a hard time to kind of fix this when that core blogger ecosystem is such a core part of their advertising and they don't pay a damn thing for it other than giving press badges to some of those maybe 100 higher level people from those bigger organizations.
1: So, so why in like the vein of Jurassic Park, where Gennaro says, "Oh, we can have, we can charge ten thousand a day, twenty thousand, people will pay it," and then John Hammond tells him, "Hey, my park wasn't made for the super rich," and Gennaro looks at "Hey, we'll have a coupon day. Why don't we have a blogger day, and any person wants to go to the park?" after hours cuz we know that the after hours things are phew, dust in the wind even though they are coming back the after hours events and and after you can set aside a night every 3 months for the bloggers to go film their ride videos and i get it they want the real experience of you're not going to cuz then the the backlash will be they're getting preferential treatment and uh, you know that's not how real disney parks are i would challenge that anyone planning a vacation to Disney World, using a travel professional or not, knows what they are getting into when they book a trip to Walt Disney World. Not every ride detail, but just know it is the most traveled destination in the world, and there it's going to be busy. I don't think you'd have people saying, oh my god, it's blogger night, and there's no one there. I, if you want people to film the rides and post it on YouTube, and again, I know it takes away the spirit of the gorillaness of it, but Guy's absolutely right. It poses the same threat, if not more, than a selfie stick that, Tim, you can't bring into the parks for you and Rachel to take a picture with. Even if you put it away on the rides or you put it in your backpack, you can't bring it into the parks because it's a safety hazard. It could be a weapon. These guys are bringing boom mics into the goddamn shows at animal kingdom. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Like, how is that? uh, Tim tracker. I love Tim tracker. Great. They're, they're fun. It's a good time. Guys got three cameras, a waistband with the, with the selfie camera. Like how is that safe for anyone? How even him, even him doing it. it, it's gotta be an insurance liability. I digress. It, like and category. it's funny that you bring
0: up the, the blogger day thing, because if you've ever I know you kind of try to avoid some of the rides, but if you ever watch these vloggers' videos on the first day of an Epcot festival or a new ride opening or God forbid, a new land opening there, you have blogger day because you'll watch the Tim Tracker video and you will watch him walking by. All your favorite Disney personalities, whether it's Pete Werner or Molly from all years, all also filming themselves as they film themselves to the point where these major Disney milestones now, especially because of the park pass reservation system, are overwhelmingly wall to wall, full production crews of blogs and vlogs that are like million dollar plus operations a year running media empires based on being at these parks first. Um, So, yeah, I I think it probably is about time that Disney has to officially acknowledge all this stuff. Um, And it it is unfortunate that that isn't something that could get handled before the 50th, because, again, I think so important to the advertising of the 50th was – continuing to have this blog hype cycle for it
1: i just love that guy started this one out with i kind of got a weird one here we just spent 10 minutes talking about <laughs> bloggers and everyone <laughs> it's just incredible but um, it
2: can't be overstated like i'm seeing people who yeah. are like carrying cable for people like these are Correct. four or five men
1: teams like it's ridiculous yep. it's, it's insane it, it really is think about an outfit like wdwnt I mean that's a professional alpha. I mean those guys are straight out of going my way, but but those guys when they're in the parks, like you said, it's like a news crew. Yeah. It's like the Action 8 News show rolled up in a van. Boom mics, cue cards, uh, lighting. It's it's unbelievable.
0: I mean I mean it's, it's un- Disney Food Blog when they do their it's multiple segment producers, boom yeah. mic, cameraman. Uh, you know, prompter, all that stuff brought into the parks on the person of like multiple people.
1: Unbelievable. We could probably do a whole episode on this, but I I don't know that it would hold the audience for longer than what we've just talked about. So Tim, what do you have as as one of yours here? So
0: mine is, uh, this is definitely mixed uh, for me and nighttime spectacular slash parades. uh, And I guess we could also mix in here um, live entertainment in general uh, I'll start off. This is the number one thing that was affected by COVID, COVID protocols, all that stuff. I also think it is number one COVID related problem that Disney could have thrown more money at. Um, first and foremost was the very, very, very slow return of live entertainment to the parks, some of which has still not returned. And that That's was... Good point, Tim. ...entirely, entirely yeah. based on Disney's unwillingness to make the concessions being asked for by Actors' Equity, which is the union that the performers at theme parks and on Broadway um, and and live entertainers in general throughout the world belong to, um, that is literally just Disney not willing to throw money at a problem. They, They were not asking for raises. They were asking for different COVID precautions, testing windows, et cetera, et cetera. And Disney could have just said yes and thrown the money at at, at fulfilling those obligations and there would have been live entertainment back much, much faster. Um, As for nighttime spectaculars and parades, um, parades is kind of the same boat. Um, You know, they just needed to get the staffing to get, you know, do what they needed to to get those back online. Although... In the early part of COVID, I think um, the character cavalcades as a way to have the characters in the parks at a time where meet and greets were not feasible or possible was really great. I think those cavalcades were super, super special. I think being able that they did them truly as a surprise so that people couldn't plan for them and wait around and and claim spots due to the COVID protocols. It was just like a really neat way to have the characters there and and, and get to see them. that said, nighttime spectaculars. Uh, I mean, at this point, even Disney admits it, um, harmonious and in um I can't even remember the name. The Magic Kingdom was an enchantment, Disney Enchantment, correct? Um, it just totally lackluster, totally missed the uh, you know, the mark they were shooting for. Uh, It we had speculated when they talked about the replacement of Harmonious after D23, that the barges were probably there for good. I'm seeing tons and tons of credible rumors that the barges are gone, that when Harmonious ends and it will get replaced by Epcot forever again as an interstitial show, um, that that will be to facilitate the removal of those barges. Um, Again, you can't blame this on covid. Both of these shows had to have been planned out many, many years in advance, and they just totally missed the mark, did not capture the imagination the way that the shows they replaced did. I mean, this is something we've talked about on here before, but just to have these shows that seemed so much more about IP synergy, about bringing in the Disney plus style push into the parks and have those be your triumphant return of nighttime entertainment to the parks after COVID and during COVID, uh, and for the 50th and stuff, was just really, really disappointing and and unmemorable and,
1: and missed the mark. I think the fact that Fantasmic was closed for the entire 50th at this point is kind of stunning, too. And I know that there were deeper issues with Fantasmic. They did do work on the theater and the stage, and they kind of allegedly produced a new show. I think they've just kind of tweaked it a little bit and taken the the Pocahontas aspect of it. But at the end of the day, the fact that Fantasmic hasn't been running and this, this could go right with the train because Fantasmic is synonymous with Hollywood studios for the last 20 plus years as well. It, it's truly shocking to me that we did not have a Fantasmic opening before whenever it opens, whether it be in the next couple of weeks here, the next month or so. Um, I, I am truly baffled by some of the decisions made and you're absolutely right. Uh, lackluster isn't a word that i would use to describe disney enchantment and harmonious I, I actually do want to touch on harmonious in a little bit because i have some feelings on that but i don't want to completely shoot the shot here so guy you can go ahead and, and give us your thoughts on the night times i know you and jordana having gone as much as you guys do i think you guys uh w- with the boys have a tendency maybe you skip out on some of the parades maybe you don't, maybe you do do the nighttime shows. But you guys, Jordana specifically, I think, tried to spin Harmonious as better in person than what we saw in the live stream. And I think, despite her love of Happily Ever After and her exuberation that it's coming back, she also tried to sell the idea that Enchantment wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. Is that just her trying to put lipstick on a pig, or is that legitimately, do you think she did feel that way?
2: So, uh, lipstick on a pig is kind of a good analogy here, but I'll use a different analogy. Um, So, like, if I tried to get my wife to watch a baseball game on a Saturday, 1 o'clock on Fox, between the Reds and the Cubs, there is no way in hell she would sit there for the game. But if I'm like, hey, uh, my work gave me uh, some tickets to the Yankees game, we're going to drive up to New York and... You know what I mean? We'll we'll go check the game out. You want to go do that? She's always enthusiastic because things are just better in person than they are on TV or on the internet. Now, is it a terrible show in person? No, it's pretty good. I mean, again, you're around, I don't know, ten thousand people in that that you know that hub there, and everybody's kind of feeding off the energy. And again, it is a overall, it's a decent show. But the problem is with that with Um, you know, you had Wishes, which was Beloved, and then you just happened to get lucky and you had Happily Ever After follow up, and that was also another universally beloved show that they just kind of assumed that, like, oh, we can just do this over and over and over again, and whatever the next thing we do is, the next beloved show that's going to come out. And I think, you know, they've had a couple of misses in a row, and... They really need to go back to just what works and then really kind of redesign. I'm um, interested to see what they do at Epcot next, um, but it's it's a lot of work. Um, but it's weird because it's such a thing that it should be so easy that you have that built-in audience that the people want to enjoy it, um, and you just, you really screw it up. And it's kind of spectacular that they figure out a way to keep doing it, Um But hopefully they'll kind of get it back together. I mean, I know Happily Ever After is coming back. We'll see how long that's back at Magic Kingdom before they transition to another show, which I think they have to. I mean, you can't just pivot back to Happily Ever After for another 10 years after you took it away. And then, you know, you're just going to get back like, oh, well, I guess we failed. Let's just go back to this and see what happens. Um, You know, they're going to have to get back to the drawing board. I think they have priority right now with getting Tron finished, things like that, but it's definitely something they should be working on for sure.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Again, I have some thoughts on Enchantment and and Harmonious that I, I think I want to talk on. Not quite yet because I don't want to get carried away too much into the random other topic, um, but I agree and disagree with Harmonious and Enchantment, both of them. I will tell you that as good as i think happily ever after is for me the lack of pyro and fireworks on these nighttime shows is egregious if i'm not going to get the drone show that's out in in uh, tim is it in hong kong or is it in in japan right now No, it's in paris yeah the drone shows are the only thing i will take at this point over over the world showcase lagoon if it's not a drone show don't even bother the Word point. on the
0: street is that is why we are going back to Epcot forever, that they are doing what they should have done in the first place. Instead Correct. of insanely ugly barges, right. we are getting a fleet of those GE light drones and there will yeah. be a drone show finally at Epcot, which makes perfect sense. I mean, there always should have been now that the technology Correct. exists, a drone
1: show at Epcot. I mean, hell call it Illuminations 3000 or whatever you want to call it. And and you could do so many you, see for all the negativity we've thrown at disney they could bring back the goodwill they could bring back they could easily pull in the goodwill again with just making some right decisions here in the next two to three years when they're finally done with tron when epcot is finally back up and running they have an opportunity to recapture the people like us and i mean not even recapture us but really bring it back to how we felt prior to the 50th um Guy, you did have another one that you wanted to talk about. I think we have touched on this, and, and I absolutely agree with what you're going to say.
2: Yeah, so it's funny. you know, I, I'm not going to be as long-winded on this one as I have in the past, and it's actually funny because this is a positive. Uh, but the Halloween party this year uh, was absolutely spectacular. Uh, probably my favorite party that I've been to. Um, and just coming off the post-COVID thing, it really feels like kind of Disney is back. Um, and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, I caught a good night. Universally, it's been praised outrageously online It's uh, kind of a big win for Disney, um, kind of when they're desperate for wins, even though, which is weird because it, it like this, as much as we've been crapping on the 50th, this whole episode, at the end of the day, this has been a giant moneymaker for Disney and they come out on top always um but again, we've had some things to complain about, whereas this, the Halloween party, I think really it's kind of their turnaround to back to normal, you know, and that's good that we're getting there.
0: Yeah, I, this is one I was so happy to be proven wrong on. I thought when last year they had the um, highly modified version of the Christmas party and the highly modified version of the Halloween party that were both, I don't even remember what the brain that they were using. They weren't calling them, I think they were just calling them after hours events, Um Myself and pretty much all the Disney fandom definitely thought that that was going to be the end of the big Halloween and Christmas parties. And going forward, that is what uh, we would see. And for Disney to prove us wrong on this and bring back the full Halloween party and and bring it back bigger and better than ever and, and, and have it universally praised uh, definitely is a, a welcome sign and, and hopefully a sign of things to come that maybe some of these. Uh, odd belt tightening and um, modifications might be uh, ending.
1: Yeah, I don't. Th- I mean, we we kind of discussed pretty extensively the Halloween party uh, from when Guy and Jordana did go down, and the thought process was this really was kind of the quote unquote welcome back to to Magic Kingdom, and and I I do agree wholeheartedly that that seems to have been uh, universally accepted as like the key welcome back to uh, the Magic Kingdom for the 50th. Now, guys, there's an elephant in the room, kind of, because when you said this to me, Tim, today, and I talked to you, and I've been busy at work, and I got a couple things going on, so I said, I don't really have a ton for tonight. And you said, oh, that's great. It'll be quick. It'll be easy. Uh, Here we are, an hour and 15 minutes or so in, give or take, and I have my laundry list of things that bother me, in comparison to one other event that I was a part of here. Um, So the Disney 25th anniversary, the Remember the Magic, if you will. We're going to go on a journey here. We're going to take the Wayback Machine to 1996, 1997. These were some of the announcements and or things that opened during the 25th anniversary, the 18-month celebration of the 25th anniversary. Coronado Springs, Boardwalk, the Disney Institute, the downtown Disney West side expansion animal kingdom did come on in 1997, but it was announced and they hit the date. They had given us the iconic though, universally um, milk toast pink castle. People don't, uh, I loved the pink castle. I thought it showed real risk on their part to take that castle and use 435 gallons of, of pink paint Uh, test track, Now, again, Test Track suffered from Tron. It also was very delayed, but it was announced then. Uh, Wide World of Sports, Tim, in its heyday. Remember the Magic Parade, which is better than any parade that we got for the 50th. And again, I understand we're going to grant it to COVID. Illuminations 25, which was fantastic. It actually featured the very rare uh, Circle of Life uh, ending uh, for Illuminations. Brilliant show. We've talked about Illuminations before. We will again, Uh, but Illuminations 25 did feature that special circle of life moment at the end. The Hunchback of Notre Dame stage show, which in my opinion rivaled what they do at Beauty and the Beast and why it didn't stay longer, I have no idea. Mickey's Toontown Fair opened up from Mickey's Starland to Mickey's Toontown Fair. The Disney Cruise Line got the wonder and the magic. They were finishing touches over in Italy. They were making the ships in Italy then. They were a little bit smaller. The 25th anniversary was like nothing Disney had ever done. And and admittedly, they still had Michael Eisner in charge. They still had the, the touch of buying Pixar and having Toy Story. It, the The mid-90s, for me, will always be that golden age of Disney or Disney World. For me personally, because that is when I really came into what Disney was to me. But they aspired to groundbreaking experiences. The Disney Institute, Tim, we still haven't done the episode, but I still it's on the short list of things that I want to do before we give this up for good. I, the Disney Institute was a brilliant play, way before its time, but brilliant. The game-changing moments, breathtaking growth. Animal Kingdom, for all of the people that say it's a half-day park and it's the one park that they would, if they had to close one of the four parks, that's the one they would close. I don't think you fully appreciate what an engineering Marvel Animal Kingdom is. The 50th was never going to be that. I'm not under that delusion. The 50th could never have done that because they don't have that empty space anymore. That space is all filled in. But again, we talked about it. No train, no Tron, Uh, the two failed nighttime shows. And by the way, I promise you, you could give me Enchanted was uh, Disney Enchantment was meant to be a 50th anniversary show. There is not a person in this world that could convince me that Harmonious was meant to be temporary. I no one in the no. you could dig up Walt Disney himself to tell me in the eye that harmonious was going to be a part-time show, just a 50th anniversary thing, and I would call bullshit. There was no shot that was meant to be a 50th 18 anniversary 18 month anniversary show. There's that is a legitimate out and out failure that show. As good as it is live, it is a failure. Enchantment, the fact that Happily Ever After has to come back is a complete failure. And those are facts. The, it's not me being overly critical or anything. those two shows alone, the investment made to those two shows failures that they are gone 18 months after they debuted it. That's just how it is. I will say you can take the, the pink birthday cake. I thought the read that the paint job, the castle got despite it being much closer to sleeping beauty's castle, uh, than Cinderella castle used to be. I loved the paint job after I got over the pink, the pink, the blue. It is a, beautiful castle. It was a beautiful overhaul. And I I thought it was well done. I still don't understand the golden statues. I'm not willing to call them a failure because I think there's interactivity there to be had. So I'll say those were a solid C-plus for the kids going and, you know, it's something fun for the kids. Finding them all, it's fun. I I, I get it. I I don't care about them, but I I get it. We did get Guardians. We did get Ratatouille. But I want to go back to D23 prior to COVID when we were promised Tron for the 50th, we were promised that beautiful new theater on the backside of Main Street never got done. Mary Poppins uh, in the UK Pavilion never getting done. Spaceship Earth never getting done. Uh, The the festival center at Epcot never getting done. These are just unkept promises of if they had pulled all that off, the 50th would have been a grand slam of an event. And instead, we got a significantly less than experience, which absolutely can be tied to COVID, which can absolutely be tied to financial unrest. I I get all of that. But at the end of the day, if we're comparing apples to apples, a 25th anniversary and a 50th anniversary, and it's hard to do it, I understand because of the COVID outlay, the 25th anniversary will never be topped in an anniversary year. And something I said to you guys online earlier today, I think Disney suffers from an over-reliance on having to have every year be something special. We just came off of what arguably is the biggest celebration in Walt Disney World history, and we're going into what amounts to the biggest celebration in company history, the founding of the company 100 years ago. You cannot sustain the level of excellence and growth that you showed 10 15 years ago or 25 years ago in the 25th anniversary, if you're going to insist on making every year some ridiculous anniversary, whether it's Epcot's 35th, Epcot's 40th, which don't get us started. They haven't had a good Epcot anniversary ever. They haven't done it justice, but you can't keep making next year, the bigger thing, next year, the bigger thing, next year, the bigger thing, and expect to please anyone. Yeah. I mean,
0: I have two two quick thoughts on this. One, I think to me, especially after having this conversation with you guys tonight, that what this really proves to me is that Disney doesn't feel like they have to prove anything to anybody anymore. The 25th was still in an era where uh, Disney wasn't a scrappy company by any means, but in the Eisner era, especially that point in the Eisner regime, it was very much about Still proving that having this gigantic complex of theme parks and entertainment in the middle of central Florida swamps was a a, a noble endeavor, an endeavor that was sustainable as the world's preeminent vacation destination. And obviously Disney has proven time and time again in the intercity 25 years that it is that that this Florida project was a worthy experiment and it always is going to draw. So, I mean, look, even with this greatly deprecated 50th experience, Disney has never seen attendance like this. I mean, I, I said to you guys uh, yesterday, the day before, am I missing something? Why is Disney have no park availability for the next 10 days? Mayhem, Tim. I I, mayhem. I I don't know. They're still just selling out constantly. So there, there was no reason to swing for the fences. There was no reason to take big swings at only home run balls because they whatever they gave us, you know, they were they were always going to get the parks packed, whether it was because of revenge travel, because it was people who grew up in the 25th now with families of their own and money of their own to take these trips, it was always going to be hit no matter what it was. And 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 really, with how negative we've been and how successful financially and crowds-wise the 50th has been for Disney, I think that point is proven. And then the other thing is, where you're talking about Harmonious, Enchantment, etc., if you look at D23, I think Disney is already setting itself up to make these mistakes with the little bit of, the very, very little we have already announced from 100, we already have these exact same mistakes happening again. We have, I don't remember the name of the festival, no, not festival, the parade over at Disneyland that debuted at a very unfortunate time, right before COVID. It was only there for like six to nine months before COVID happened. It still has not returned to Disneyland. At this point, there's no excuse for COVID. E23, Disney announced one of the big things they're bringing for the 100th is that parade. I'm sorry, but that's not special, Disney. You you, right. you had this parade. It, it got rave reviews. People are saying it's the best parade they've ever had at a U.S. Disney park. And you didn't bring it back in the you know whole time you've been open since COVID um, restrictions have lifted in California. And now you're acting like... This is a big part of the celebration. You're doing everybody a favor by just returning something that was already there to the guests. Where meanwhile, you've raised prices, you've uh, you've cut back on things. And and now now that you're giving back a little bit, that's something worthy of celebration, you know, Uh, and and they're already pre positioning themselves to not make the harmonious enchantment mistake for the hundredth where. They are giving modified versions of shows that have already existed at Disneyland for that um, for that anniversary. And I mean, I think really that that is themselves setting themselves up for 50th part two. And we already know what they're leaning on for the hundredth here is just finishing the things that they started because they know that they're crazy to announce anything, you know, before. Uh, before they get done with the pit in the center of Epcot, with Moana, Journey of Water, with Tron, with the train, all that stuff, it's with like, not no, everything Moana back is... to 100%. Um, so I, I, I see them take starting to take the steps down the path they took for the 50th towards the 100th anniversary of the company. And I guarantee that the stuff that's going to come out on Disney+, Plus, the movies that are going to hit theaters, that part of the company anniversary is going to be a home run because that is where the company has been doing its best work Correct. in decades. They don't miss when it comes with from the stuff, especially that they're putting on Disney+, Plus. the way they're releasing it, the cadence, the fact that they have stuff for everybody. Disney is undeniably hitting it out of the park when it comes to their streaming service. Uh, and doing a really good job with their theatrical releases in the most difficult theatrical environment in the history of the world right now. Um, but it just feels like the parks are, are, are suffering because of it.
1: Guy, a very, very rare, giving you the last word, but the 50th yeah, there's, anniversary.
2: There's not a ton of meat left on the bone here. And. You know, before we recorded the episode, Jordana was like, oh, what are you recording about? And I told her the topic and I'm like, you know, I- I'm afraid we might come off as a little too negative. And if you felt we were a little too negative tonight, please, by all means, uh, just dissect the last 10 minutes of the show and tell me what points that were made that are unfounded. I mean, I don't think we're being over dramatic here. I think everything was really spot on. Um... It wasn't a failure, obviously, but this is a, a C+. Plus. And I think when you look back at, you know, the 50th anniversary, it's going to be very underwhelming. I mean, they painted the castle. I don't think that paint's going away. I don't think they're going to repaint the castle. I think they're going to leave it as is. You had a game, um, I believe it was, what's it called? Uh, the Sorcerers of Magic Kingdom that used to be a free game. Now they have these statues now that only exist really to sell Magic Band Pluses. Um, So they took away something that they used to give you for free, in activity, and they replaced it with something that you pay $30 a piece for. Um, It's really just how Disney's been operating lately. Um, But I think you guys kind of covered everything. Um, And again, if you find something that seems dramatic or unfounded, please let us know because I'm not seeing it. And this is somebody who's literally going in december for the fourth time this year so clearly i mean i love disney here but again tell me what tell tell me where the lie is because it it doesn't seem like there is one
1: that's our show for this week uh please be sure if you have any questions or comments as guys said reach out to us at the disney guys uncensored at gmail.com thanks for listening we'll see you next time